Business Day cartoonist Brandon Reynolds has tweeted, I like the idea of F.W. de Clare Boulevard, but it really must have a P.W. Water exit somewhere along it for historical <laughs> accuracy. Thank you, Brandon. And uh, F.W. was a better leader than we have now. It's no surprise that that sort of sentiment comes in. Um, Peter says he would vote no to the change to F.W. Boulevard. And Roger says, I think it's a great idea. South Africa would be a different place without FW. Plan B, Rebecca Davis, how would you vote? I'm not, I'm not sure, John. I'm not a huge FW admirer. I think that he was backed into a corner and did what he did out of pragmatism rather than any moral awakening and, as you said, has maintained firmly that kind of willful lack of recognition as to the suffering of apartheid. But, I mean, I was just questioning your producer now. Is, is anything else named after F.W. de Klerk? I can't think of any, any other major... There might well have been a hall at mm. a university campus or something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating out loud. I don't find the idea offensive. I think, you know, he is part of our historical record and we do obviously owe him a certain amount in terms of the direction we took at that stage. So I'd have to give it a, a qualified, an unenthusiastic yes, to put it that way. I wouldn't... Mm march against it. I want, how, how divisive do you think it is going to be? I wonder about that. I do sense that among a lot of black South Africans there is a fairly high degree of FW antipathy. Um, and I think he does himself no, no favours in that regard because his, his foundation is forever putting out slightly irritating statements on various matters. Um, I, I don't and think... yet, to be fair, he... Always, when he speaks on this matter in public, he always says that South Africa, despite its problems, challenges, issues, call them what you will, is a much better place than it was in 1990. That's true. That's exactly right. In fact, the last time I heard him say that was on election day, where he said exactly that as he cast his vote. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a hugely popular decision, John, but... um but let's see. How far along are we? I mean, is, is this just a proposal being floated? It, it, it is a proposal. A letter has been, a letter with signatories, including Archbishop Desmond Tutu's, mm. has arrived at the naming committee of the city. It now goes out to public comment, and I presume that public comment is digested, and then it goes to MACO, and then it goes to full council, and if MACO approves, then full council approves, and that could take a while. The request is that it be done in time for the renaming, should it happen to happen on the 2nd of February next year, would be, which would be 25 years since that speech on the 2nd of February. And is um, Table Bay Boulevard up for renaming? I, I don't know. I mean, one, uh, one comment which I've lost suggested that they rename something which is all currently offensively right. renamed. Why yeah. take Table Bay Boulevard, to which not many people um, can take offence? Why, why choose that? Why not choose... I'm sure there's still a Furvut or a Donjes or a something like that mm. somewhere. But I suppose you know, Helen Sussman Boulevard, Nelson Mandela Boulevard, you want a kind of equivalence of those, those figures. That's so you true. want a road as important in the city's network, I guess would be the thing. I predict there will be some, some op-eds, some harshly worded <laughs> op-eds written, John. Yeah. <laughs> Put your headphones on because Graham has called us from Fishhook. Hello, Graham. Hi, John, Rebecca. Uh, yeah, I think, look, the facts speak for themselves, John. I mean, the, the very fact that Mandela even lifted his hand together, they make a good pair. They shared the peace, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. 
Uh, he worked at letting him out. In his first four years, he did a lot more than most of the guys did in 50 years, John. I mean, the facts must speak for themselves. So I think he does. I personally think he does it, 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 He does deserve it. He did nothing wrong in that way. I think he deserves it. Okay. Uh, thank you, Graham. Just a, a few more comments on the SMS line. No to the clerk. I don't like him, says Jeanette, quite simply. Uh, if Table Bay Boulevard is renamed after F.W. de Clare, watch it changed with alacrity again if the ANC gets back into power. Yes, name that boulevard after F.W., says somebody else. Whenever I ride that boulevard, I will be reminded of him and his many white supporters and so expect me to spit in that road. So, Goodness Yeah, I, mean, I, I did mention earlier, folks, in case you missed it, that we approached the ANC and said, please, I'd like, like to chat to you. Do you think it's a good idea? And the ANC's comment was no thanks, uh, which I'm not quite sure how one can uh, interpret that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this one. Uh, I was talking about the fact that yesterday I cut my nails and removed the last vestige of having voted, visual evidence of having voted on the 7th of May, and uh, huge numbers of people saying, no, I've still got it, still got it, still got it, and Berenice said she's got a new one from voting in by election day, and you don't have a new one. You I could have had. I could have. I should have, in fact. I live in Ward 54, and we had a by-election there yesterday. It was one of, I think, three three wards in the city of Cape Town yesterday. And, John, I did not know about it. And, look, as I was travelling to the studio today, in fact, um, I, I was looking around with slight, slightly enhanced vigilance, and I did notice that there were, in fact, ANC candidate posters up along the road, clearly giving the date of the by-election, 13th August. So that is my first caveat, that I take the blame for not knowing that it was election day myself. But when I put this out on Twitter, that I I was speculating as to whether there was, in fact, enough information out there to the public about the dates of the by-election, I did receive a fair amount of comments from people saying they, they too had absolutely no idea that yesterday was voting day. And in fact, well, this is seems to be, to my, to my mind, backed up by the voter turnout. Um, the, the voter turnout in Ward 54, which is the Atlantic Seaboard, sea so that's Seapoint, Mully Point, Green Point, all along there, um, was 29%, right? Which is kind of average for a by-election. It's kind of average for a by-election, and it's average in terms of the general turnout for this, this round. So there were 25 by-elections which took place yesterday in the average the average turnout was 31. But, John, I mean, it's obviously much, much lower than the, the general elections where we saw sort of above 70, I think, mm. in May. But, I mean, it's also concerning to me that at, at certain wards this this round, um, turnout was as low as 12%, which may have been, you know, a few, a few hundred voters. Doesn't that suggest that either that people aren't particularly clear on what by-elections are, really, what the purpose of them is, or that they're just unaware that they're happening? I don't know. I mean, uh, Berenice has put a note up on my screen. Uh, she also lives in Ward 54. There were posters and flyers in my post box for a couple of weeks before. The, okay, I, I, I received none of these, and maybe maybe my flat block was just just missed out. But um, as I said, my social media troll suggested that I, I wasn't alone in this ignorance, and I can't be the most blinkered person in Cape Town, surely. Because I mean, it is the duty, surely, of the political parties who are contesting or the independent candidates who are contesting that particular ward to alert people in that ward. I mean, there'll be a relatively low number. Do you have any idea of how many registered voters there are in your ward? About 20,000, 19,000. Okay, so that's, that's a fair number. But you you would want to try and reach as many of them with 
something like a poster or a flyer as you can. You would. And maybe the issue is just that there are, there are much fewer candidates than are um, put up for the general election. So in, in Ward 54, for instance, I think there was just one ANC candidate versus one DA candidate. And that was pretty standard, I think, for a lot of places. So obviously, just the, the sheer number of papering of posters would have been reduced. But I also wonder what the IEC's obligations are in these circumstances also in terms of their duty to, to inform the public as to by-elections. I mean, it's difficult. Um, I'm so, as you're talking, I'm thinking about what responsibility we have in the media to do it. But we broadcast to 200 wards and there were three by-elections. How much coverage do we give something which affects you know, a relatively small percentage, and the same would be true of the newspapers and the Daily Maverick website and so on. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think the ultimate responsibility should fall to political parties because they're the ones who have most to gain, and we've seen the DA today um, crowing about their victories all over the show, including in my ward, where I think it was a bit of a landslide for the DA. But um, Well, the ANC said they were humbled by the faith that the people had showed in them, given their incredibly impressive <laughs> by-election performance yesterday. Everyone's a winner, John. Isn't that nice? Uh, <laughs> uh, just an SMS in Rebecca to say, great piece on Zuletum Tetwa and the Daily Maverick, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is your cue <laughs> to tell those people who haven't read the great piece on Zuletum uh, Tetwa and the Daily Maverick what that piece is about and the issue, I think an important issue that it raises. Right, so this is an issue which has consistently received, I think, less media attention than it should, and that is that South African artist and photographer Zuletum Tetwa will go on trial for murder in November. Tetwa, I think it's fair to say, is not exactly a household name maybe in South Africa, but he is extremely highly acclaimed internationally as an artist and photographer, one of the highest profile South African artists out there internationally, in fact. There is a, an entire wing of a Deutsche Bank gallery in Frankfurt named after him, and he's had solo exhibitions at MoMA and a number of the world's most prestigious galleries. So this is really big stuff for a South African artist. He is accused of kicking to death a woman called Nokopila Kumalo, 23 years old, in Woodstock in April last year. And it seems, from what the prosecutors say, that there is a dossier of extremely damning evidence against Mtetwa, which would include CCTV footage of him carrying out the attack, a tracker within his car, which shows that he drove to Woodstock at the time of the attack, allegedly eyewitnesses to the attack. And also there's the fact that Mtetwa apparently drives an extremely recognizable car, which is a Porsche with a personalized number plate, I think. So if you're going to commit a crime, perhaps best not to do it in that kind of vehicle. So there's a lot of evidence against him. So it's not the case as if when we talk about Mteto going on trial, um, we're being, you know, extraordinarily unethical or jumping the gun in suggesting that he should be sort of receiving some condemnation. I'm saying that Mtetwa should be receiving some form of condemnation because there is a lot of evidence suggesting that he is guilty of murder, it seems. And we obviously don't know what will come out in the trial. But certainly, with the, the, I would say that there seems to be, on the, from the outside looking in, more evidence against Mtetwa in this case, even perhaps than against, say, Shrindwani, if the prosecutors are to be believed. Yeah, I mean, perhaps the, the more appropriate analogy is with Oscar Pistorius. Uh, we don't know what September 11 is going to deliver in terms of Judge Masipa's verdict, but... Uh, quite soon after Oscar was charged, sponsors ran for the hills, whereas in the case of the artist, sponsors 
seem to be as interested in him and in a perverse way more excited about the prospects for his art. Right, and this is, I think, the, the crux of the matter, the offensive thing. It's not just that Mteto is accused of a crime, it's that his galleries and his agents appear to be sticking with him without any evident regard for the murder. And we're basing this on the fact that he's still listed very prominently on his ga- on his gallery's website, on his agent's website. There's been no statement of distancing from any of these, these bodies. And... Um, Two art specialists interviewed earlier this year from time, by the Times newspaper suggested that this might be because the value of Mtetwa's work could increase as a result of this murder charge. We have seen, obviously, that artistic reputations can be enhanced by, by this kind of thing because, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the public fascination with the, art, the artist's persona. But there's something obviously extremely distasteful that an increase in the value of Mteto's work would come at the expense of a human life in this case and that he wouldn't win any disapproval or earn any disapproval from the art world as a result. <laughs> The best one can offer, the best I can offer in riposte is innocent until proven guilty and police have claimed before that they have unequivocal evidence to maintain a conviction and that confidence has been shown in court to be misplaced. And I do agree with that principle. The, 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 the point here, I think, is exactly what you say about the comparisons with the Oscar Pistorius case, that all uh, that it seems to be protocol, and I consulted a reputation management specialist about this, it seems to be general protocol that if you have a client who is accused of something as serious as murder, you should implement reasonable distance from that client. It's just considered basic sort of, I don't know, humanity almost, just to say, look, we're going to step back a bit until this is cleared. But in this case, it seems that there are different rules that might apply if there's an artist who's got work to sell, and I find that extremely distasteful. How much do you think the lack of status of the murdered woman has to play? Everything. I mean, everything. If not everything, then a lot. So the murdered woman, um, she's known as Ntombi Kumalo, was a sex worker. And um, obviously there is still an incredible amount of social stigma attached to that work. It's still criminalized in South Africa. And the assumption often is that when something bad happens to sex workers in the course of their work, well... They were sort of asking for it. They were sex workers. What they're doing is illegal and dodgy and shameful. And um, this is often why sex workers don't report crimes to the police either because, first of all, they're scared because what they're doing is still criminalized. And second of all, because police themselves have been known to, to, to mistreat sex workers. So definitely I think if, if Nakapila Kamala was a, you know, a UCT student or a, a model law student or a, you know, a socialite, we would be seeing a different response. But the fact that that discrepancy emerges at all is also you know, shameful. We should be ashamed. Rebecca, thank you very much. There will be another Plan B in several weeks' time because Rebecca is taking some time off to recover. And the the, um, latest Economist magazine, this week's Economist magazine, the cover story is about changes to sex work wrought by technology and how much safer sex work is becoming because you can do it online. You don't have to hang out on a street and how that is changing the nature of the business and how it is becoming a business. And there's, they, they go into this fascinating survey of – because now there's sites like TripAdvisor, but for sex workers, so you can rate them. And so it's good for the punter and it's good for the sex worker as well. It's a fascinating story, this week's Economist. <laughs>